Well, today we're continuing a series called Hearing God, Hearing God, and uh, my goal in this, this series is very simply to help you with hearing God. Uh, I want to give you some practical counsel. This, uh, this is a very practical series. I hope that in every message of this series, you're going home with some notes on exactly what you can do to get deeper into the presence of God. Maybe you're new to, to following Jesus or you've been doing it for a long time, but you've always been a little curious around how people actually feel like they are following the will of God, living in the will of God, finding the purpose of God. How is it that people hear from God? How do we, how do we know what God is speaking to us or when it's something else or somebody else or nothing else and it's just what we want? How, do, how does all of that work? And I'm just trying to demystify all of that in this series, make it a little bit simpler and easier to follow because I believe you were made to have a relationship with your Creator. I believe that your creator uh, didn't make you and then just want to release you out there and occasionally turn around and worship him a little bit in church. I think he wants to be known by you, and he wants you to fully know him. He wants to fully know you. He wants us to communicate with him and to have a real relationship with him. The whole of Scripture teaches us that. We're not meant to fill our lives with distant religion, filled with rules and rituals that keep us following God at a distance. We're made to be in a real, life-giving relationship. Jesus says in Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him, I will come in to him and eat with him and him with me. Do you hear the relational tone in his voice here? He wants to sit around the table with you. He wants to share a meal with you. He wants to know you and to be known by you. And prayer, prayer is the communication that makes our relationship with him real. It's what makes it tangible. It's what makes it a relationship. Last week we talked about how a relationship without communication is not a relationship. That's when marriages fall apart. That's when friendships cease to be friendships. That's when everything breaks down, when communication breaks down. And so prayer is the communication that becomes the foundation of the relationship that we're in. And so last week we talked about what to say. Today, I want to talk about how to hear, how to listen, how to listen. I'm going to hit the basics on how you hear God. Next week, I'm going to get a little bit deeper into it, talk about discerning his will for your life. And then the following week, I'll talk about how he speaks to us around our purpose and understanding what that means and understanding our why. But today, we're just talking about listening. Today's message is titled, Listening Skills. Listening Skills. Anybody here a good listener? Not me. I'm the worst listener you've ever met in your entire life. I got report cards upon report cards to prove it. Uh, it needs improvement with listening, written at the bottom of every single one of them. I have struggled with listening since I learned how to hear. It's not that I don't know how or, or that I don't want to listen. It's just that my brain forgets to. I'll ask somebody their name and then immediately forget that I'm supposed to listen to the answer. Just space out right away. Hey, I'm John Mark. I ask people, I ask 20 people their names every Sunday morning. Hey, I'm John Mark. How you doing? And sometimes, I'm going to just be honest, my brain just goes to a different place. They're just thinking, wow, this is, he's got cool hair, doesn't he? You know, <laughs> looks great. wonder if he knows. You know, or, or the opposite. Man, this guy could use a haircut. 
And then I forget to listen to the name. I'll ask my friends where they want to go eat and then immediately just say where I've already decided to go. I was never even remotely interested in their opinion. I zone out when people talk to me for too long of a time. Too long of a time is more than 30 seconds. Somebody starts to tell me a story and I'm just immediately on another plane of existence. I, I can be the worst listener you've ever met. Who's with me? Are there any other bad listeners in here today? Yeah, we got some bad listeners in the house this morning. What I've had to do is learn how to intentionally listen. I've had to learn how to be intentional about not doing the things that I know I naturally do when it comes to not listening to people. I've got to learn every day. I'm, I'm being intentional about learning better and better and better how to listen to people because if I want to show value to people and I want to live a life of meaning and of value, it means I've got to learn how to listen better and better and better all the time. I'm working on it every single day. It's not something that I can just fix once and then it'll never be a problem again. Being a bad listener is a bad listener for life. It's a lifelong issue. I, every single day, I got to wake up and choose to be a better listener today than I was yesterday. And I believe that listening to God can be this way too. We all start off with pretty rough listening skills. And even when we get good at listening, it doesn't mean we're going to be good at it next week as well. And so we're going to talk about some listening skills today. But first, I want to talk about a couple things that get in our way. A couple things that get in our way and prevent us from being able to hear God. Maybe you haven't been able to hear God or felt a closeness with God in your prayer life or in your relationship with him for a few different reasons. Maybe there have been some things getting in the way of you hearing from him. First, maybe you've had too much interference. Maybe you've had too much interference. I'm hard of hearing in my right ear. It's a permanent reminder of my time in the U.S. Coast Guard. I uh, was a range instructor, and I was just not very smart with hearing protection, and that's what happened there. And so this ear doesn't work very well, and so that, that means a couple things. You know, it's a funny thing, only having good hearing in one ear. It means it's hard for me to tell where a sound comes from. Like, if you holler my name, I'm going to do this number. I'm looking all around. I've got no idea where you are. It's bad for haunted houses, and it's bad for playing Marco Polo. <laughs> Terrible at Marco Polo. It also means that if there's a lot of noise in a room, I can't really filter it out. I don't have the ability. It just jumbles all together in my brain and I can't make out what the person in front of me is saying. There's just too much interference. Sometimes God is speaking to us clearly, but we can't hear him because there's just too much other interference in the room. All this other stuff is jumbling it up and we're just hearing a jumble of sounds and it gets in the way. And the kinds of things that make it hard to hear from God are the kinds of things that are nothing like him. Paul shows us in Romans chapter 8, verse 5, he says, those who live according to the flesh. Now, Paul uses this, this phrase a lot, live according to the flesh, and he talks about the flesh. And what that really means is following the lifestyle that the world would tell you is the right way to live. What it means is doing what feels right all the time, you know, giving the heart what the heart wants. You guys ever heard that expression, the heart wants what it wants? Do you know where it came from? You use it less if you remember where it came from. Woody Allen coined that phrase. Woody Allen coined that phrase in an interview about how he was going to be marrying a 23-year-old girl who was less than half of his age who he had raised since he was six. She was four years old. And they said, Woody, how do you justify that? And he said, the heart wants what it wants. Makes it feel kind of icky, doesn't it? 
The, when Paul talks about the flesh, that's what he's talking about. He's talking about just doing what you want because it feels right, because it feels good. Okay? Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. There are two areas at work within you, the spirit and the flesh, and they do not always align with one another. And what your enemy wants you to believe is that you will only be happy by saying yes to the flesh. Do what the heart, the heart wants what it wants. We're going to do what the heart wants. We're going to follow the heart. We're going we're gonna to do what feels good, what feels right. I can't suppress it because if I do, I'm creating other kinds of damage. But there is a spirit inside of you. And you are only happy and you are only living a fulfilled life when you are living a life that is pleasing to the spirit, not to the flesh. We're living in a time when our culture wants us to believe that the key to happiness or living an evolved life is by doing whatever feels right and by obeying our chemistry and by pursuing the things our body wants or that culture tells us is good. But the science and the statistics don't back that up. Depression and anxiety are higher now than they've ever been before. Suicide rates are higher now than they've ever been before. Addiction-related deaths are up 14% in the last four years. And it's never been more accepted than ever to just live however it feels good. So what the heck is going on? Where's the mixed signal? We know that by eating all the junk food we want, it ultimately leads to destruction in our bodies. Nobody argues with that, it's obvious. But when we feed our souls all the junk that they crave, that they want, we say we're living a good life. We're doing what feels good. We're following whatever feels right. But feeding junk to our souls leads to destruction at a much faster rate. So what are you putting into your mind and putting into your heart and putting into your body that is interfering with your ability to hear from God? I believe that God doesn't want to give you confines to live in just to keep you trapped. I remember being a kid and thinking that the, the life of following Jesus sounds like a life with too many rules for me. I'm a rule breaker. That's who I am. I'm that kind of person. It's wired into me. You give me a rule and I'm just thinking of like the ways around it. And it's funny. I have a four-year-old now who is built exactly the same way as me. And I remember every, it, I'm, I'm watching her brain work. Every time I tell her what to do, I'm watching her brain think of all the ways she's going to do the opposite of what I've just asked her to do. I'm like, this is what my mother went through. <laughs> Lord, I'm going to give her some prayers today. But what I know is that when I'm giving my four-year-old those guidelines to live by is because I want her to have the best life she can possibly have. I want her to be healthy and happy and safe and whole. And your father wants the same for you. Living by the spirit and not by the flesh isn't about having a bunch of rules that make your life harder to live. Living by the spirit and not by the flesh is about living a life that makes you wake up every single morning feeling complete, feeling whole feeling happy, feeling satisfied with your life. Because going the other way will never, ever get you that. It leaves you with a hunger that you will never, ever, ever satisfy. 
So many of us, we just, we want to hear from God and we don't understand why we're not hearing from God. We don't understand why we can't hear him. Why is his voice absent from our lives? Why isn't he present? Where is God? Where is God? Where is God? But how could you possibly hear him with all of that interference that runs in opposition to what he's trying to tell you? Too much interference. Second thing is we live too distracted. We live too, what? We live too distracted. Not everything we fill our time with or everything that distracts us is bad. It's good to have a job that you love. It's good to have friends to cut loose with. It's good to have hobbies and things you love. I went and saw Alan Jackson last night in concert live. That's why my voice is gone. I'm an octave lower this morning. I was singing it. Anyway, I don't know why I just told you that. I was excited. It's because I was reading the word good and I was hearing G to the O, O to the D, T to the I, M and the E. That spells good time. It's good to have a good time. (laughs) But it's bad when these good things dominate every thought and action that we take. Because there's never been a time in history, I believe, when it was easier for you to hear from God. Did you know that for millennia, People had to travel to a specific place to get near to the presence of God. We've been talking about that the last couple of weeks. What, what that meant for them. That a few times a year they would travel miles and miles on foot or on camel or on horse or on donkey so that they could get close to the presence of God. You get to have the Holy Spirit's power inside of you every single day. There's never been a time in history where people have been closer to the presence of God. Because if you follow Christ, the presence of God is with you every single place you go. The Holy Spirit, it fills you and you get near to him anywhere you want. You can study his scripture at all. I have the holy word of God on my person at all times, never more than three feet away right here. Never in history has anyone had greater access to the scriptures and to all the translations you could ever imagine and to all the study materials you could ever imagine. Never in the course of history have we been able to, whenever we decide to, just hit that little Spotify app and have someone sing songs of worship to bring us into the presence of God whenever we want. We've never had a greater opportunity to get closer to hearing from God, to listen to him, to read his words, to get in his presence. You've got his spirit, you've got his word, you've got his worship. But there has never been a time in history when it was so hard for us to just focus on one thing. Because the entire world is competing for our attention at all times. I mean, when was the last time you sat in in a waiting room and you just waited alone there with your thoughts? When was the last time you just stood in line and you just stared ahead, thought about things, thought about what you were waiting for, what you had to do for the rest of the day? Some of us, if we're being honest, when was the last time you sat in traffic and didn't look at that Instagram feed? Uh Uh-oh. Answer those emails. In all these scenarios, we pull out our phones and we consume all the information the universe has to offer all of the time. We're living in such a distracted season. Kids' cartoons are always a great indicator. In 1991, cartoons being made would cut scenes at an average of every two to three minutes in order to keep up with kids' attention spans. Today, the average time before a scene change is 22 seconds to keep up with kids' attention spans. We're living in a distracted time, and it makes it really hard for us to listen to God because there's a lot of things competing for our attention. And some of us have a hard time listening to God because we're just too impatient. God is a God of patience. 
It's not a rushed God. It's not the kind of God that just answers whenever you need him to at the exact second that you need him to. He's not like that. You can live your life in a relationship with the one who made you. You can. And you can, he can be known by you and you can be known by him. And you can speak to him every day through prayer and you can hear from him every day through the Bible and by the power of the Holy Spirit. But like anything good, this just doesn't happen instantaneously. Hearing God requires slow, patient listening. Hearing God runs counter to everything our culture is pushing us towards. We have a culture of instant gratification. Amazon Prime, three days wasn't enough. They got it down to two. Two days wasn't enough. They got it down to one. Now they have Amazon Instant, y'all. I need it right now. I got I to have a new spritzer for my house plants right now. We live in this culture of instant gratification and hurry and where every empty space and quiet moment is filled with something else. But hearing God requires stillness and silence. Solitude. Quiet. And patience. It requires us to be still long enough to listen. So let me share with you three ways that I believe you can sharpen your listening skills with the Holy Spirit and begin to hear God more often. First, you've got to pursue holiness. You've got to pursue holiness. I know, you came to church. Maybe you came to church for the first time in a while, and here you are, and the pastor's telling you to be holy. Here we go. Great. Yet another standard I'll never reach. I get it. But to be holy, it simply means to be set apart. Set apart from the world around us. Set apart for the one who made us. Being holy, it's not about being perfect. It's not about getting it right all the time. It's not ever, ever, ever about being holier than now. Being holy is not some unattainable, unreachable goal that somebody dangles in front of you like a hot dog on a string. For a dog, I was picturing like a treadmill thing. Maybe that didn't translate. <laughs> Being holy is attainable for you. It was attainable for the people of Israel. God gave it to them as a standard so that they could know him more. He wanted to enter into a relationship with the world. That's what the Old Testament is all about. God creates man. Man sins. God brings judgment. And then a chapter later, God desires relationship again. Man sins. God brings judgment. And then God desires relationship. And over and over and over again, he pursues relationship with these people. And he gives them this set of standards that's all about setting themselves apart from the rest of the world so that they can begin to hear him, know him, be in his presence. Being holy means setting yourself aside. It doesn't mean you get it right every time. It doesn't mean that you're always perfect. It doesn't mean you're, you're Mr. Goody Two-Shoes walking around all the time. It means that you're doing what you can to live by the Spirit and not by the flesh. Peter says this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who has called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. I remember being a kid 
and hearing messages on holiness and, and, and being set apart and not doing what the rest of the world does, living differently. Uh, there was like a, a youth pastor one time that said, we're going to be aliens because we're not of this world, you know, and I remember all this stuff. And I remember thinking it sounded like a prison sentence. Wasn't that other stuff fun? Wouldn't it be hard not to be like everybody else? Is this really what I want with my life? And that's why ultimately I, I, I went away from it when I had the choice. I lived the other way. I pursued everything the world said was good. I did everything it said it was fun, that it said would be fulfilling, that it said would be right, that it said would make me feel good. And I've never felt emptier in my entire life. I, I, did, I had the best parties you can imagine and never felt more alone. Never felt more depressed, sadder, and just... I remember on the other side of everything that the world said would be good and fun and that if you follow Jesus, you'll miss out on. On the other side of it, just thinking there's got to be more than this. There's got to be more than this. Because no matter how many mountains I climbed, there was always a taller peak in the distance. We follow Jesus and we pursue holiness. This is the only thing that you can do that will make you feel whole. It's the only thing that's going to fill you up in the way that you are longing to be filled. If you're in here today then you either know that because you follow Jesus or you know that because you came in here today trying to figure out how to be whole. And I'm telling you right now, the living the way that he taught us to live and asked us to live and setting ourselves apart to pursue holiness is the only kind of satisfaction you are ever going to have in this life. And it's not just a little bit of satisfaction. It's complete and total shalom is the Hebrew word for it meaning that you're experiencing blessing every day. Peace in a way that's difficult to explain to people that haven't felt it. We've been chosen and set apart as God's holy and special possession, his royal priesthood set apart for a purpose, for praising the one who brought us from the darkness of this world and into the light of his goodness. Verse 10, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul, admit it or not. Many of the things that your flesh wants are directly at war with your soul. Casual sex leads to an inability to experience pure intimacy. Pursuit of money is going to leave you only with an insatiable appetite for more. The praise of men is only going to leave you feeling more insecure than ever. Wage war and win it. Tell these things no. Set yourself apart from the rest of the world in pursuit of something better. Verse 12, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. Our goal in pursuing holiness is never to make people feel wrong for the sake of wrongness. We've gotten holiness wrong a lot over the course of history. It's never been about looking down your nose at others and thinking about their sin. It's about looking up at heaven and asking God to help keep you from your sin. It's about choosing to live a different way. The way that Jesus showed us. The way of loving enemies and caring for the forgotten. The way of selflessness and service. The way of worshiping God instead of money or ourselves or sex or anything else that we can use to fill the void. Pursue holiness. 
and you will live, you will have less interference with the Holy Spirit's voice in your life. If you want to hear from God more, pursue holiness more. Do the things that honor and glorify him, and you're going to be amazed how loudly his voice begins to show up in your life. Second is pay attention. In a distracting world, it's hard to hear from God because we're just, we're not always paying attention. You ever have a a conversation with a highly distracted person? If you've talked to me, the answer is yes. Is there anything more frustrating? You know that they can't hear you because they're not even remotely listening to you. They're watching something slightly behind you. Or they're staring at their foot. My wife makes me sit with my back to the people in the restaurant whenever we go out on a date. Because otherwise, I can't, I like, I'm like a part of their conversation. I'm like laughing with them and like nodding along. It's true. It's like, Mark, look at me. So I always sit with my back to the people now so that I can just see her. You ever have a conversation with somebody who's just staring at their phone? Oh my gosh, drives me crazy. Makes you want to grab the phone, doesn't it? Do you ever keep staring at your phone when somebody talks to you? Do you ever retain anything that they say while you do it? If you want to hear from God, make sure you're taking intentional time to pay attention. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus acknowledges that there are a lot of things in life that distract us, things that are important, things that we worry about. What are we going to eat? What are we going to do for a living? How are we going to make money? Where are we going to sleep tonight? What kind of shelter are we going to have? All these things. And Jesus says, don't worry about these things. Don't worry about them. But rather, in Matthew 6, he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things are going to be added to you. Last week, we talked about ritual being so important to developing a prayer life. And I think ritual is the key to us being able to hear because it creates a space for us where we choose to not be distracted by anything else. It's a space that you protect, that you set aside to go and meet with God and seek him first, pursue him. I keep it at the first part of my day. I don't know about you, but if I don't intentionally go pursue God at the first part of my day, then the first thing I'm gonna consume every day is either emails or social media. And that is not the direction I need my day to go in. I need my day to go in the direction of worship. And so the first thing that I consume each day is his word and worship and prayer so that I'm creating a ritual space to pay close attention to what he has to say to me. Paul says that we're surrounded by these giants of the faith who are watching from above and rooting us on as we go, which is kind of exciting, you know? It's like we're running a track meet as we, as we go along and their stands are just filled with the greatest track stars of all time, just rooting for us. And he says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let's throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles you got to learn how to throw these things off first thing in the day. All these distractions, all these worries, even the sin and the thing. When you're trying to pursue holiness, there's a direction you have to start in if you're going to go that way for the rest of the day. you got to pursue God. 
and pursue him early. Turn some worship. I don't know, you know, everybody's got different routines. You know, I feel like every time I've had like a one-on-one meeting with somebody about developing these spiritual disciplines, it's been somebody's like, yeah, I start work at 4 a.m. So tell me, pastor, when do I wake up to do my quiet time? I'm like, oh no, I don't know. Um, <laughs> why can't you start a job at eight? Then I could help you. <laughs> Get a new job. Um, no. But maybe get in the car and instead of cranking on the country music or, you know, hip hop or whatever else, good music there is, crank up some worship. I mean, what would it be like if your commute was, was a place for you to come into the presence of God and meet with him instead of a place to just be reminded of all the other things in life all the time? I, mean, I have a policy. First half of the day, I always listen to worship music. I listen to worship music for the first half of the day, and then around lunchtime, I'm like, all right, it's five o'clock somewhere. Find ways to get in his presence early and often. Create a ritual space for it. Set aside your distractions. I know that everybody's schedule is different, but there is a way you can do it if you care enough about it. Because you find a way to the things that are the biggest and most important priorities to you. You always do. We all do. And if the most important priority to you is hearing from the maker of the universe, getting his voice in your life, having him speak into your life in a way that is going to make you feel that you are in relationship with the one who made you in a way that makes you whole, then you will find a way to do it and a place for it. Find an opportunity to pay attention and to throw off all these things that hinder. And Paul goes on in verse two, he says, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Paul is, he's a little bit one-upping you here. He's saying, I know you're distracted and I know life is hard, but Jesus was going to the cross for you. And he did it because he knew it meant he was going to be in relationship with you. And for the joy set before him as he endured the cross, guess what that joy is? It's you. He endured the cross for the you set before him. He endured the cross. And if he can do that, if he can stay focused long enough to get seated at the right hand of God, then we'll consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that we would not grow weary and lose heart. Worship, pray, Study God's word. Work on being more and more present throughout your day. If you have a social media addiction, you need to fast from social media. You need to go cold turkey. Take it off your phone. Spend a couple weeks. We got two more weeks in the 21 days of prayer. Spend those, 21, those two weeks fasting from social media. Reset the pathways in your mind to be able to just be quiet for a moment because you cannot hear when you're distracted. If you don't feel close to God and you don't feel like you can hear him speaking to you, part of the problem is maybe just that you're too distracted. So cut through the noise, pay attention. And then finally, if you wanna hear from God, be still. There's an ancient spiritual discipline that we don't talk about very much anymore. It's called silence and solitude. Doesn't match up well with this world, does it? Silence and solitude. 
Maybe you got small kids in your house and silence and solitude sound about as real to you as the wizarding world of Harry Potter. Maybe you're on your way to work before the sun comes up and you're home after it sets every day. Maybe there's a lot of reasons that you can think of that it makes it hard for you to take time to be quiet and still, and to be still feels impossible to you. But if you want to hear God, you are going to have to find a way to bring silence and solitude into your life. I didn't always, I'm a, I'm a kind of a distracted guy. I've admitted that a few times today. And I love to have activities going on. I like to bounce from one thing to the next, it's who I am. I either want to lay on a couch and fill my mind with hours of TV, or I, I want to go from one event to the next nonstop until I literally pass out from exhaustion. But I found that I wasn't hearing from God very much. And I was doing all the things. I was pursuing holiness. I had a ritual quiet time every single day. Every single day. Was, was meeting with him, was praying, was studying scripture. And to be, to be clear, I really, to oversimplify, if you want to hear from God, just open up his word. He's filled a lot of pages of what he thinks about you, of who he is, of how he would speak into your life, uh, of his character, his nature. All these things are in those pages of scripture. If you want to hear from him today, just pull out a Bible and read it. But I wanted more. I wanted to feel his presence. I wanted to feel like I was hearing from him and I just wasn't getting there. And I realized that I wasn't really taking any time for silence and solitude. I was reading this book, a guy named Dallas Willard. He's a great great mentor in the spiritual disciplines. He's one of those cloud of witnesses now, as a matter of fact, when we talk about things like this, these are his favorite topics. And he went to be with Jesus some years ago. And I just, every time I'm writing a message like this, I picture him in the stands. He's like, yeah, John Mark, you got this. You can do this. I'm like, I don't know, Pastor Dallas. He's like, you got it. Anyways, I realized as I was reading this that I had never done that. I just, and I thought, there's no way I can. I'm not built this way. So I rearranged how I did my whole week and created a space for silence and solitude. And it's a big part of sermon. I used to spend 15, 16 hours a week writing the message, just writing it. it honest, and it just, I don't know if I should admit this or not. I spent about three hours writing now. The majority of my time is spent in silence and solitude and prayer. Because here's what I found. That as long as I am talking, 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 or at 6.30 in the morning and I'm getting ready to go throughout my whole day and I've got meeting, 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 and all these things that are bouncing around in my head, it's really hard to hear God's voice. I needed to be separate. There's a story of a prophet in the Old Testament named Elijah. And Elijah's one of the most well-known prophets. He was famous at the time. He was one of the world's first celebrities. I mean, he was known all over. And he did a lot of really amazing and incredible things for God. But there was a season where he, he just felt like it was too hard. He, he wanted to quit. He wanted to quit being a prophet. Ultimately, he wanted to quit life. He asked God to kill him multiple times. He'd been following God faithfully, but it just, it was hard. And he was tired. 
So God had him take a nap and eat some food. The story's in 1 Kings chapter 19. And it's like three different times. God says, take a nap, eat some food. And he wakes up and an angel comes, gives him some more food. He says, take a nap. And then finally he tells him to go somewhere and he goes up into this mountain. And it says, if you need, you can meet with me. So he has to wander, like far away from where he is, far away from where he's even going to to the specific place where the presence of God is going to be. And he gets up on this hill. Verse 11 says, the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. For the Lord is about to pass pass by. Yahweh, God, the Father. And then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. I wonder if you're living your life asking to hear from God, but the only way you would ever hear from God is if he came in an earthquake or a great wind, or if the mountains around you started falling apart because you have surrounded yourself by so much noise and so much distraction and so much of what your flesh wants that the only way you would hear from God is if fire came and tore it all apart. But it says God wasn't in the earthquake. He wasn't in the wind. He wasn't there when the mountains started falling apart around Elijah. He wasn't in the fire. After the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face because he was entering the presence of God. And he stood at the mouth of the cave. That was it, you guys. He got to hear from God. He got to hear from him. I kind of love what he heard from God. I'll share it with you. First Kings 19.13, a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? Get back to work. Go and do what I've called you to do. I kind of like that, a little bit coy. But Elijah desperately needed the presence of God. And just those simple words gave him what he needed to go back and do what God called him to do and created him to do and finish well. He finished so well that he didn't even die. So that a chariot took him to heaven. So that's how I'm trying to go. People are like, how are you going to die? I was like, "Mm, chariot. I choose chariot. You can watch me go. You got to learn how to be still enough. How to be silent enough. How to be quiet enough you can hear that whisper so that in the moment when you need it the most God can say what are you doing here John Mark why aren't you why aren't you doing what I called you to do get back in the game yes God I will find those spaces pursue holiness get the distractions out of your life Create time every day to be still. To be still. Be quiet. And you'll begin to hear from Him. If you're in here today and you've never had a relationship with Jesus, 
It is as intimate as all of this. It is the way for you to be made whole. It is the way for you to feel like all of this means something because it really, really does. There is a greater purpose for you than anything you've ever imagined for yourself. And he wants to know you and he wants to be known by you. And so if you're new in here today to to all of this, it begins with a simple prayer of just commitment, of saying, I choose you. I choose to follow you. I want your presence inside of me. And I'll give everything I am to learning more about it. And you figure out the rest as you go. Pursuing holiness isn't the path to get you to God. It's what you do after you've met him. And so if you're here today, every eye closed, every head bowed, let's pray this prayer. If you want to enter into a relationship with Jesus, Heavenly Father, forgive me for my sin. Forgive me for going my way. For giving the heart what the heart wants. It's not always right. And I want what is. I want what you say is right. So make me whole today, Lord. Come and fill me with your Spirit's power. Everything that I am from now on, I am yours. In Jesus' name, amen.